It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. And we are joined on this uh, bi-week aftermath, I guess, uh, by our very own Kyle Jones, uh, X's and O's master of 11 Warriors. We're so happy to have you on, man. We've got a lot of questions. We've got a lot of things we want to get into. We'll start big. We're not worried. We're not worried. <laughs> we'll start big. We'll go small. But at first, man, how are you doing? I just want to know, in general, how are you feeling right now about Ohio State football at this point in the season relative to expectations all that stuff how are you how are you kyle well i'm doing well um i i'm i'm still recovering from physically attending the ohio state Notre Dame <laughs> the, my my garmin watch thinks i died i'm pretty sure it thinks i had a it, i know it thinks i had a cardiac oh event because it it gave me the warnings and was actually about to try to contact my wife that there was an emergency situation. This is not a lie. This is all That's real. Wild. And that happened inside of Notre Dame Stadium because of my heart jumping out of my chest on multiple occasions. Throughout Did the you think, quarter. okay, so let, let's real quick. I, I don't want to get uh, too far into the weeds quite yet, but I, we had this discussion last week. <laughs> I didn't think Ohio State had a chance in hell on that last drive. I thought that was it. That McCord sails those first two passes, and I'm like, done. Did you still, did you believe? Kyle, did you did you believe in the Buckeyes? I mean, I thought there was a chance because, and I, and I say that because we saw we've seen Ohio State quarterbacks make those kinds of throws. Sure, they weren't Kyle McCord, <laughs> right. but we saw C.J. Stroud make them nine, ten months ago right. in the mm-hmm. same offense to some of those same receivers. So you know, like. I knew it was possible, but I didn't think it was likely. Well, I will say I will never claim to be that that clairvoyant, but uh, you know, I thought it was I thought it was a chance. I really was surprised, and and to me, the play that turned the game was not any necessarily of the throws McCord made because I think once they started hitting one or two of those, and even on that drive before that ended with the the jet sweep that I'm sure we won't talk about at all. <laughs> um, but, you know, even on that drive, you could start to see him building confidence and making some throws. So it, it was less on that side that surprised me. It was more that all of a sudden after two drives of Notre Dame just stuffing the Ohio State defense in a locker, all of a sudden, even after those first two plays, they get a stop. And it was that the JT to Amoloel, you know, five-yard loss mm-hmm. on Sam, Sam Hartman, which – I've had some people say they think it was meant to be like a fake handoff to one guy and then it was to the other. But, I mean, I don't know any coach that teaches footwork like that. It looked like Hartman screwed up the handoff. Right, right. And the All-22 shows it way better than any of the other ones because it's right behind them in that end zone where that camera is. And you can see Hartman kind of stumbling and do it, having like an oh crap moment. And then he just knows he has to eat it, and all of a sudden it's second and fifteen, right. and that changed the whole game. Right. That's when that's what I thought. Huh? Maybe maybe this could happen. <laughs> maybe maybe they will get the ball back. Okay, all right. So let me ask you this because that's a good segue then into my first kind of larger question here, which is, you know, Ohio State graduated a guy, or you know, off to the NFL, a dude who is who is now just absolutely tearing up the league as a rookie you know, throwing for 300 yards, averaging 300 yards passing for his first several games, something like nobody does. We had that stat earlier today where it's like, you know, the only other guys who have done that over that course of time uh, with that many touchdowns and, you know, non-interceptions, blah, blah, are basically all Hall of Famers. 
then before that, you've got a guy in Justin Fields and then on and on and on. And it's like, I think what we're still trying to figure out is how Kyle McCord compares to them uh, mechanically and all those other things. I think mentally, I mean, the dude is, you got to believe he's lock solid, right? I mean, just because the ability to go into a hostile environment like that and then be able to engineer a drive at the very end of the game. I don't have any doubt about his ability to lead the team or his mental makeup or anything like that. The question that I have for you is, does he have the skill and the talent uh, to get to that level that we see with CJ Stroud and, you know, what we saw with Justin Fields in college and so on? Uh, I think it's different than Fields. Fields is to me, one of one mm-hmm. from a talent perspective that we, that's, that's been at Ohio state. So I, I'll put him to the side, but I think from a Stroud perspective, Haskins, like he's right there, you know, like let's not forget Ryan Day picked him over, according to Fox at least, Heisman candidate J.J. McCarthy, right? Like, right. there's a reason J.J. McCarthy plays that chip on his shoulder, Ohio State didn't want me, and it's because Ohio State wanted Kyle McCord. Like, end of story. So Ryan Day is in a position now as a as a coach to say, and as an evaluator and as an offensive guru to say, like, this is the guy I want to lead my offense. He kind of gets to pick those guys now. And he picked Kyle McCord for a reason. And I'm sure some of it was the mental makeup. I'm sure some of it was the pedigree. But it was mostly, I would guess, this dude's got the physical tools to get there. We haven't seen him put together the deep ball connections quite yet. But to me, being able to throw the ball over everybody's head and have you know Marv run under it is a lot easier to do then throw it in the honeypot in between two safeties and the intermediate nickelback who's sitting in the curl flat, and you're going to put it right on the hash because Agbuka knows to slow down just enough and you need to put it on his back right shoulder. Like, that's the hard stuff. Right. <laughs> and he's shown that he can do that at the hard, at, at that, the biggest moments. Of course, consistency is the thing that we're going to look for now because now we know what he can do. We know he can make those throws. We know he can do it in those tight situations. So, you know, it doesn't look like Ohio state's going to have any real tests over the next couple weeks where he should have those high leverage moments. But two weeks from now, two and a half weeks from now, I guess when Penn state comes to town, there may be those moments. And now there are expectations that, Hey, you're going to be able to find those open windows. And look, the reality of it is guys have more confidence when they know that the person they're throwing to is going to be there and is going to make that catch. And, we saw that with Stroud. We saw it with Fields. We saw it with Wayne Haskins. You know, I think the Haskins was probably the most surprising because none of us thought, oh, yeah, Terry McLaurin, just throw it up to that guy. All, <laughs> right. Pro Bowl receiver. Duh. <laughs> That's what we all thought in 2018. Of course. Like, no, none of us saw that. So that was probably the most improbable every ever year since then. It's been Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, JSN, Marvin, Ibuka. Like, the list goes on and on. And that makes quarterbacks – feel confident. Like I know if I put it in this tight window, it's not going to end up in somebody else's hands or on the ground. It's going to end up, you know, right next to that number two in Scarlet and gray. Mr. Jones, I'm honored that you would join us on a show that one member of the 11 warriors beat previously described as the 11 dumb cast. (laughs) Uh, So thank you for dropping knowledge on this uh, show that has previously been described as the opposite. I wanted to pivot to asking you about the offensive line. Um, 
short. I one thing I was a bit optimistic about that I spoke with uh, about Johnny or with Johnny last week was feeling good that even though most of the short yard line to gain situations in the Notre Dame game did not turn out fruitfully for Ohio State, the most important one did. And how I felt that could be a big confidence-boosting moment for rectifying that problem going forward, even though we hadn't really seen it uh, addressed the way that we wanted going back to last season. And then Johnny very astutely pointed out that that moment of success happened with uh, 10 people on the defense. Uh, so kind of blew up my feel-good narrative about that. And now I don't – now I'm not as confident. So I'm I'm turning to you, and I'm, I'm curious if, you know, you've seen – have they like just schematically or just go, going? Have you noticed any changes relative to last season that they've already tried to implement to rectify this problem that we've we're all starting to kind of notice has been a, an, an issue that's holding this team back from really being like surefire championship caliber? Because we know it was a problem in the Michigan game, and we've seen how in the early season where it hasn't been a damning issue but we can see how it might potentially become that if it doesn't really transform itself in the in the closing or we're not in the closing stretch but we're into the you know we're done with the first third of the season effectively at this point or the regular yeah. season at least so what have you seen I think just that uh for fixing that problem relative to last season to right now so this is something that we kind of talked about off air beforehand, but the, the recruiting of the tight end positions an issue. Like it's a bunch of guys the last few years that did not come to campus to play tight end who have now been put at tight end. And there's been various degrees, varying degrees of success. You know, Silver has turned into a great receiver. I'll say it. He's a great receiver. Amazing with the, you know, after oh, the catch. We're going to talk those. about him too. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into him. And that part's been great. And he's actually become a better blocker as an as as a off tight end, right? You know, you think like the guy who's not on the line, he's motioning across, he's split out in the slot. You know, um, I'm going to drop a line from like a guy's naming dudes, but a, a Frank Whitecheck is who he <laughs> really is. If you really want a deep cut, but like you know the the late '90s, early 2000s, two back offense type. You know, this guy's a, a little bit of a receiver. He's a little bit of a tight end. But those guys are not the extra tackle that, frankly, Luke Farrell and Jeremy Rucker were. Right. Like, full stop. And, mm-hmm. you know, Ruckert even was more of a wide out. Like, Luke Farrell was a could have, like, could act as a sixth tackle out there or a sixth lineman. And that showed up in the ground game, right? And since those guys have left, there hasn't been another recruited tight end who's filled that spot. Yes, they've found some band-aids and they've made other guys fit. You know, we had, um, you know, converted walk-ons. We've had converted receivers, converted running back slash linebacker slash defensive end slash tight end slash linebacker slash tight end again. And what we haven't had is that guy that can line up next to the tackle, down block on a, a true defensive end. And that's where I'm going with this is like, they're just, they're doing this. They're they're band-aiding it by dressing up Luke Montgomery in a tight ends jersey, putting him out there on the field. Everyone on the field knows well they're running to that guy's side, and then he's not even a threat in the pass game because right. they're not building those those counters off of it. And when they are, he's clear. You're down one receiver. So 
rather than have what everybody everybody else in the country has, and this is the most like do not cry for the the rich in Ohio State here. <laughs> like this is not what I'm saying. Like this is a self made problem, but like every other offense has counters off of it. Like great, we're going to throw to the tight end. We're going to do all these things. We can you know do all that stuff. Like, a le- like so, you would say like Ohio a leak, State- one of those like leak plays where like they just they go off the line and they okay, we're just going to chuck it to him for four or five yards and then exactly right. Right. They don't have that because when the defense sees 98 in the game, they go, well, they're going to run here. And if not, who cares? Like I can sell out balls to the wall against that side. And that's what they're doing. And then the other problem to that is, is a, is a technique one. The pad level across the offensive line is way too high. You watch Michigan. And I know this is going to chap some people's backside saying this. You watch Michigan, they fire out low. They put their face mask in the other guy's numbers and they drive them into the back of the end zone. That's not what happens with this offensive line. You see Carson Hinsman stand straight up and then go straight back on short yardage. <laughs> and that's great. You know, he's it's fine because, yeah, these guys have to move in the normal the zone blocking schemes, the stretch schemes, which do work. But those work on first and ten, on second and seven, right? Like they work then. Because Carson Hinton's got to go get the linebacker. And you're not going to do that if you're, you know, duck walking up the field, right? Right. So he's – I understand why that's there, but there's not the other side of it, which is, hey, it's it's, sec- it's third and two, it's fourth and one. You've got to fire out low and get – it's low man wins. And this is, this is the frustrating part, and this is where some of the, you know, tough guy, soft, you know, whatever have you. It's not – to me, it's not a mental thing. It's a – technique thing and they're just getting blown backwards and that's why you're seeing them figure trying to get cute with jet sweeps and do all this stuff because the normal answers aren't built in because you're playing a freshman tackle at tight end Mm -hmm. instead of a regular tight end and then you can't rely on your interior offensive line to get a push because they're getting stood straight up well, that is an answer full of promise, <laughs> right. so thank you very much. <laughs> well, okay, and then my follow-up to that, I guess, would be something specific, which is, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, before we started recording, I looked back and I watched those plays, and I see some of them where it's like, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not super well-versed in, like, blocking schemes and things like that, but it looks like they're crashing down to, like, one guy, like, three guys are trying to take out one where they've got a dude like a, you know, a linebacker or a defensive who's lined out wide, and they're just walk Walton right around the offensive line. Like, in that last... Oh, I know exactly which play you're talking about. And so that's, you're talking about JB, JJB. Yes, yeah. and, and, and I, like, how do you not pick that up? Like, I don't understand why that... That's not like a, a line well, call or something that happens there at the line of scrimmage. You're like, get that dude. Like, you shouldn't be getting hit that. Well, quickly. you don't need to worry. It, it's kind of like it's kind of like a field goal blocking to to get to get schematic. It's like field goal blocking where you start inside out. It's a wedge play. The play you're talking about was the third and short. Yes. The play before, and it was where they faked the jet sweep and actually handed it off to yes. Henderson. Yes. Right. It's a, I know exactly what play you're talking about. The problem was not that they left JJB unblocked. The problem was that the left side of the line got pushed backwards, and there and and I think it was no, it was Henderson or Chip. I think it might have been Chip at that point. Yeah, similar thing happened on the touchdown run too, where it's like right, it should be hat on hat. But so what? Yeah, but because there's more hats than there are guys to block them. That's the that's the thing is you can't. There's a quarterback and there's a running back. So there's two guys that are not blocking. The defense has eleven guys who are trying to make tackles. 
the offense is at it. They've got to pick who they don't want to block. And so they pick the guy who's furthest from the ball. That's the math and like truly how it works. So, you know, I think where, where we go with that is you say, great, the offensive line, the center of the line, of the line, the center of the two guards, they've just got to win. They've just got to wedge it forward. It's literally the play is a wedge. Everybody steps inside and tries to push forward. Back tries to push, follow behind it and fall forward for a first down. Chip can't, can't go forward because the center of the line doesn't get a push. Right. And then the left side gets folded in because you've got a converted linebacker slash tight end who's getting two guys pushing him backwards. And you've got a new left tackle who isn't used to playing next to these guys. It's only his first, fourth, you know, first or fourth game, whatever. And now Chip's got to dance instead of hit the hole hard. And by the time that JJB comes all the way around to yank him backwards, he still hasn't gotten to the right. Now, typically, by the time JJB gets around and he's getting a hand on him, the back should already be past that. It should be, you know, you're, you're grabbing his ankles of anything. Right. You know, you're grabbing the towel hanging off his butt. And so that's why it's not, a, it's not a play design thing in my mind. It is truly an execution. It is a, like, I actually loved the play call. I thought it was great. Fake the jet, hold the defensive lineman just for a hair long enough, and hand it off to Chip. Great. Smart move. But Chip had nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like that's unfortunately something that, you know, has been happening with regularity. I will say, I wrote this whole thing on Michigan uh, today, you know, did the threat level and whatnot. I do think, and, and to your point, like, it's not necessarily that, like, the scheme is terrible or they're making bad play calls. Sometimes just execution. And sometimes, like, you know, even a team that has a vaunted running game like Michigan doesn't always succeed in those situations because maybe their offensive line is there, their tackles aren't as awesome like this year for Michigan. And, uh, you know, if it's predictable or the defense knows it's coming, it's like I said, if it's a numbers game, then it's not necessarily going to be a successful play regardless of, you know, how well you do it. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I would love to see happen is this Saturday against Maryland. There's third and one, fourth one, whatever it is. Don't put in the extra tackle. Show up in 11 personnel. Put Cade Silver as your tight end. And do exactly because this is the thing that was the most infuriating about the the jet sweep and the play before it. Mm-hmm. Who's up on the on the left side of the screen? Who's standing up there with one guy on him, giving him an eight yard <laughs> push? Right. right, the best player in America, yeah. right? <laughs> with a slant, right to the. I mean, he's go he he's running into the goalpost. Yeah. If you put that ball in, so all you need to do is if they throw show that look and they crowd it again on third down, throw the slant. And look, here's the thing. Those guys you're talking about crashing, they're not going to crash as hard if they think I've got to stand up and I've got to block a pass. Right. Truly. Like they're, 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 you know, bat out of hell, reckless, abandoned, whatever, you know, you want to call it, going right into the backfield. They're not going to come as hard if they think, oh, shoot, I've got to bat down this pass because I know my corner, as much as I love him, is going to get roasted because he's got to cover Marvin Harrison or Mecca Boop. Right. Throw those. And the only way to make the defense respect it is by throwing them in those situations. So it's it's truly just a do it enough time to make the defense respect it. And I guarantee you, you'll see all those dudes, the 11-on-9 blocking scheme or what have you, becomes a lot easier when the guys on the edges are thinking, oh, shoot, they might throw it. Number two might catch it, and then, what? then we're toast. Right. 18 might catch it, then we're toast. You invoked Stover, so let me try to get to a <laughs> more optimistic topic. It. Cade, 
better known as Farmer Gronk, has uh, been a quite a character around these parts for about a year now. Uh, I know that Ramsey and, and feels emboldened in his hatred of him, uh, partially because you've been quite a regular critic of him. I'm sure <laughs> uh, on on your own analysis, but it was uh, it's it's worth noting that you said that you're you're selling your shares or you're selling your short i I, i'm completely fumbling the analogy but the point is you are you pivoted jonesy towards pro farmer gronk status and i'm just wondering if you can talk us through where your turnabout uh is is rooted in so last year it was very much in a yes he can make plays as a receiver downfield but it doesn't make up for the inconsistency as a blocker and you saw that in a lot of the previews. Dane Brugler, who I think is as good of a draft an- analyst as there is, and not just because he's an Ohio guy who see- tends to like Ohio State prospects, but he hits it pretty pretty squarely, in my opinion. Um, he called out pretty clearly in his preview this season, like, look, could be a great NFL receiver, got to fix the blocking. And, like, it was evident for everybody. And, and you turned on the film – and I know it's not always apparent when the ball's going the other way or, you know, a guy runs through an arm tackle and, and you know, the, the missed block doesn't get accounted for, doesn't make an, an impact. But when you watch the L22 and you're a nerd like I am who's got other obsessive issues, you start to notice when the tight end can't hold a block anytime. And that changed. That's been the big difference is this season, it's got – it started in the end. There were still some issues – you know, his, his blocking when he's put out on this, you know, in the slot as a screen blocker, right? You They line him in the slot and he's blocking wide receiver screens. He can still get beat by super quick DBs that read the play. And part of that is also Ohio State telegraphing those screens a little bit too much, which isn't helping. Right. But there's still some improvement there. I'm just more impressed with his ability in the, uh, you know, more between the tackles. I think two weeks ago, um, they played Western Kentucky. And the whole game plan was split zone, which means he's coming across and just crushing the defensive end. And he was terrific. At yeah. That. I mean, there, and then you say like, Oh, it's Western Kentucky. Like, let's see how he does against Notre Dame. He was really good blocking against Notre Dame. Like he was like there's, and mm-hmm. he was really good as a blocker. He was obviously fantastic as a receiver, made a bunch of big plays, not just the one that went off his face, which was hilarious, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> like, not just that, but like he, he's made a lot of plays, and you can tell that McCord really trusts him and, and looks for him as a safety blanket. And it's a it's a really nice counter, both over the middle, but also you know having chip and helping pr- and pass protection, and then jump out into the flat. And hey, there's eight yards, boom, easy. You know, make life easy for your young QB. And he's been very good. He's just there's no there's no doubt about it. And you know. I'm happy to be wrong in this instance, to be proven wrong of a guy who, you know, missed some plays, especially in, in the in the blocking game earlier this year, and he's gotten better. Like there's there's no doubt about it. That's the great hedge about shorting a player on a team you like is that if they turn out to be good, you, you know, who cares? You were wrong, and they're you know, you're not on the team. Well, it's because I put the pressure on him. He didn't want to disappoint me anymore. That's right. It's It's all about me. That's what it was. Ramsey's a tougher critic, though. He remains on the It was that extra best that got him over the edge. That's how it worked. 
I think I think for Ramsey, it's a little bit of like he's taken more public stances than I have, and he's a little bit more dug in. That's right. He's entrenched. That's right. Like he's he really on. like he, he says too many. He's too big of a short. Yeah, no one's turning on the tape and like you know putting gifts of him, blo- you know, blocking the backside edge of counter. That's right. Like I am. That's right. Because I'm a freak, and you, you know it's gonna take it's gonna take Cade Silver like literally bowling balling through the left side of the Maryland defensive line and taking out three guys in one play leading to a Henderson untouched touchdown right. for Ramsey to break race. Like that's really unfortunately like to see like, it. This is actually yeah. this is a this is a super long callback. He's going to have to replicate what Brian Hartline did. Uh, I think against Iowa back in the day where he like Hartline like iced like three dudes on one play on a long pass play. It was one of the mm-hmm. sickest blocks I've ever seen a wide receiver do in my entire life. And like, if, if I think if Cade Stover can do that, he will be back in Ramsey's good graces and it will be fine. It'll... Right. And this is all about getting in mind and Ramsey's good that's, graces. That's, right. that's, that's why they that play the games. Everyone knows <laughs> it. Tell you what. Okay. So here's the thing. Everyone knows. I had a bunch of different things I was going to think about, but I actually, I want to ask you this um, because, <laughs> well, because. You don't want to keep, you want to keep talking about short yardage? You want to talk no, about blocking talk technique? About Cause we're really stuff. just, we're really getting in, in the weeds. I want to talk about fun stuff. So I'm going to. I want to talk about Javante Jean-Baptiste <laughs> right. some more. I want to talk about fun stuff. I want to know what is your favorite play call so far this season? Like what what did you see that you stood up and you're like, let's go? Like you were so pumped about. <laughs> um all right, here's here it's not one play call, but what I really appreciated was that like in that in that comeback against Notre Dame, right? The the two drives. Ryan Day was just like, screw it, we're an A-rig team. Right. We're running four verts, Hell we're running yeah. mesh, screw this. Like, like, I mean, this was, it was not even like, we're not even trying. It, it was so much of just play the hits, man. Right. Just just play the hits, stop trying yeah, to be like cute. To like, yeah. So here's the thing. So I don't know if you're like, maybe I didn't appreciate it for the right reasons because I'm not as well-versed in all this, <laughs> but the, the one specific play, because I agree with you. Like, I love the fact that he was just like, screw it. I'm Ryan Day. This is, I, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> I don't care about Lou Holtz. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to win the game. <laughs> it, was the, it, yeah. it was the bunched set where Fleming got the ball and then he got the first, that critical first sound. And I was like, that's Ryan Day. That's freaking Ryan Day. It's not him trying to get short yardage plays. It's not him. It's it's him having three guys on one side of the field and then a route tree that screws with the defense and then gets the first down. And I was like, hell yeah, dude, be you, man. And like, that was the play where I stood up and I was like, maybe they win this. I don't know. Like that was, that's where I converted <laughs> yeah. from. There's no chance in hell to <laughs> let's do this. Like, I love that play call. Yeah. I thought that was excellent. And, and well, I put this in my piece last week, they ran that in the first half. And they ran it in, I want to say the second quarter in like one of the, the, the touchdown drives. And on that play, Abuka was the one who got op- open on like a deep over. Yeah, yeah. And McCord held it a little bit too long. And I, I think it was because of pressure. And I can't remember exactly because it's, it's not in front of me. But I think he had to roll out from pressure. And that actually gave time for Abuka to, to, to get open. Meanwhile, the linebacker jumps on Fleming's crosser. But in that whole fourth quarter, in the miss, really the second half, Notre Dame changed up their defense where they're blitzing that that uh, linebacker Bertrand twenty seven. Um, he wasn't there, and I think Ryan Day knew that. Like, yeah, they're going to blitz that dude because he's been blitzing on every important play this entire half. He's not going to be there to knock 
uh, Fleming off of his route, and Fleming's going to have – it's just going to be a foot race. Right. That's all that play was, is it was we're going to set a pick, make that guy run through traffic, and then we're betting that McCord can throw a 10-yard crosser, which, to your point, that's Ryan Day. Yeah. That's the Michigan game in 2018. Like, that was – that's giving Michigan fans heartburn right now. Right. Is thinking about Paris Campbell running that route, you know, like, that's right. <laughs> like truly, that's what it was. Yeah, I thought that was great, and um, you know, like I said, play the hits, man. Like, just be who you are, be confident, in it. and that's the most fun Ryan Day to watch, I think, when in, in terms of play calling. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm with there's, you. there's, um, I, I'm glad you said that about the BU because I'm such a nerd that like whenever I watch football games, especially in pro games where more head coaches call the plays, right? So they. They've got the the Waffle House menu in front of right. them, with, right. you know, with everything on <laughs> right. it. But it's in you know size size four font, mm-hmm. so that they can have everything. I, can there. I do a quick aside? I have to say, did you see in the Broncos Bears game this weekend that Sean Payton had the Waffle House menu up, but he actually had like '90s copies of like the play sheet in front of it that he was <laughs> he was using the Waffle House menu to obscure that he was using like an outdated play calling <laughs> method. When he could have yeah. just been using the tablet. It was the most, it was so, biz- they called it out on the broadcast. They were like, why is he doing this? Like it was, <laughs> it, it was so bizarre. I'm sorry. I had to just, um, I had to get that. I did not see it because side note, I got to witness that debacle in person. Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh and, my God. Well, yeah, I thought maybe so, you had binoculars at the game or something, you know? No, I was, that's a whole other thing, but it, <laughs> I was just really enjoying the, 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 the highs and lows of Chicago Bears fandom. Let's just put it that way. The pride um, and joy of Illinois, as they're uh, called in the song. We sang it so many times, and then we stopped singing <laughs> it. But anyway, um, so where I was going with this was the Waffle House menu. And I think it, I think Matt Nagy, what, speaking of the Bears, might have been one of these guys. But I always try to read what are the messages that are on those play call menus, right? Because it's like, one, I just want to see, like, what are these guys writing? Can I make out a play call? Can I catch something? And I thought, at first, I'm like, I'm never going to understand the play calls because they all have their own language. And so then I started looking for the, like, what else do they have written on there? And I, I've seen a bunch of guys do this, especially in, like, the Andy Reid coaching tree. Like, Doug Peterson also has this on his and stuff like that. But you'll see a big box in one corner. Then it just says in big, bold, all caps, BU. And I just love that because it's like – you know what, man? I'm stressed out. I got two seconds to make this play call. What am I going to do? Holy cow, the whole world. Like, this is going to get dissected forever, and I got to make a decision right now. Call four verts, Ryan. Just call yeah. four verts. Right. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> like, it's what it's you like do. The evil Kermit you meme. run that just play. Do, do the 10 year old Madden yeah. instinct. Right. Yeah, except guess what? It's like it's like when I played Madden with my roommates in, in college and I would just spam them running dagger over and over again. And it drove them crazy because there's like call cover two. I know what I'm going to do. Call man. I know what I'm going to do. Call cover three. I don't care what you do. I know exactly how to beat every coverage with this play and you can't stop me. And like, look, man, when you're losing a Notre Dame on the road with two minutes left and you got a new quarterback and all world receivers, just run the play that can't be stopped. That's right. And that's what they did. That's great. <laughs> Let me ask you one more question uh, relative to the pass rush, because that's another trend, I think, that has been kind of down relative to expectations going back to last season. But of late, um, you know, there's been a bit of a narrative assisted by, I think, some of the pass rushing metrics that is stating that 
they're getting pressure and they're generating havoc. That just hasn't necessarily translated into sacks. I know it, the depart- people were hoping, you know, relative to Zach Harrison not necessarily living up to expectations in terms of production, that that trend wasn't going to carry over for the high-profile players in uh, Larry Johnson's room. And we're now seeing, unfortunately, just relative to like sacks, I think, Jack Sawyer, kind of that that positionless, not really sure tweener status has translated over this season too. Are you encouraged by the the narrative that's starting to form that they're getting there and they're they're creating uh, problems for the quarterback that just haven't necessarily translated into you know physical stats, but we're we're seeing an encouraging trend towards what we want relative to last year. Do you think? There, where there's smoke, there's fire with that? Or is that just, you know, conjecture that people are just being hopelessly optimistic? Uh, it's a little bit of both, which is not the answer you're looking for. <laughs> no, <laughs> I no, I, I want, I know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts yeah, on that. I, I think part of, so there's two things that are happening in my, in my read of the situation. One, the coverage has gotten a lot better. And I think that makes a difference when the other team can't throw the ball down the field because they can't get open. Yeah. No, there's a symbiotic relationship for sure. The, the pass rush looks a lot better, and it looks like it's getting home and creating pressure when you're making the quarterback go to his third and fourth read. And you saw with Sam Hartman, you know, because I'm not, even, you know, I'm not really going to get into the first few games because some, you know, two of those passing games were not even <laughs> real, and the Western Kentucky passing game is such a just. WTF, this is nuts, and I mean that in a good way. Like, it, it, You know, they're just going to chuck and duck. But I think when you looked at Hartman and the game plan, it was three-step, 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 three-step. It was get the ball out right away. And that was fine because it was clear the game plan was, great, if you guys want to put together 15-play, 85-yard drives, good luck. Like, we're, gonna, we're not going to let you have the 80-yard 80, 80 one-play drive. That, that was so clearly evident from the way they called that game, which is a difference in style. And like I think that was on purpose to make Sam Hartman get patient and make the offense get patient. And like they aren't able to just take shots and try to beat Denzel Burke or whoever it might be. And so the, the secondary is getting better. Um, that That's clearly happening. And that's having an effect. That said – you can have the PFF rush rates and all this and that. And <laughs> but like, like they're not batting balls at the line. They're not necessarily like they're, they're getting to the quarterback, especially JT is getting there more. I think he, he had a couple takedowns on Hartman. Mm-hmm. Um, he almost the thing picked I would off say that about, screen pass at the end too. Yes. Uh, the thing I would say about Jack Sawyer, he's turned into a very good run defender, and I will leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a very good – It's more than we were getting last playing, year. Yeah, a very hard run play. He, he is really in phase and really technically sound against the run. Fair enough. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, there are bright spots, I think, on the defensive line. You can see guys that are starting to, like, make plays and things like that. But Ty Leak is the I real deal, I was about deal, to say, Ty is, Ty the, dude. is like, the real deal. That's the guy that I think people are going to start to look towards in the past, in the next month here. Yeah. As the star, as the guy that people are going to look to see to make plays. Um, 
Yeah. And that's good. And I love that. And I've said all along, like my biggest thing yeah. about this year is like the evolution of the team, who steps up, what are guys that we're going to see that, you know, that make those plays and that become household names. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to George's point, like you had these guys that you're like, okay, it's 10 stars. Let's go. Let's, you know, let's, let's get these guys some sacks, you know, to make an impact in the same way. I think that people expected uh, because of guys like, you know, Chase Young and the Bosa's and all of them. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it, it's an evolution and it's kind of fun to watch. And I do think Tyleek is going to, I think he's going to eat on uh, Saturday. I think he'll be a big impact. And, you know, you may see it from the end. So, yeah, I, I think there is an element for both. We, we've talked about this in a lot of different phases. We can, we can nitpick and say, oh, there are 10 men and the play calling and the this right. and the that and the pad <laughs> level's too high. Right. And, uh, uh, it's literally what we are doing with this whole, you know, last 30 minutes, whatever it's been. If you're in that locker room, you're beating your chest and you're saying, we did the thing. Right. Oh, we yeah. did the damn thing. We beat up, a t- we punched, we took punches in the face and we punched right back. Yeah. That yep. was a, f- that was an NFL style game. Honestly, right. and I, I mean that as an absolute compliment in the sense of that—that that was a game that, like, if I wanted to introduce football to someone that had never watched it, I would want them to see that for the complete experience of what it can be. That—that that was exactly just a start to finish, awesome game. But they were hitting, mm-hmm. man. Like there were some collisions, and not just like ooh the big hit where you know guy gets lit up over the middle, like just a regular run play. The way that those run plays ended was two forces going at full speed and then they stop instantly. Like right. collisions. True collisions. Lathan was out there like and I mean that killing, I mean it was crazy to see that guy hit as hard as he was in that game. I mean he was doing great. Yeah. Yeah. He played his tail off. I mean he was more physical than I've ever seen. Proctor yep. played his tail off. You know, all those and, and I mean and it was on both sides too. Because you know both running backs for Ohio State had to have been feeling it that oh, absolutely guaranteed. I mean, they, they took some shots. And I mean that to say, like, you win and you lose individual battles throughout the course, especially in the NFL games. You know, we look at it because we're used to watching Ohio State, you know, bulldoze Youngstown State. And we're upset on the three plays that they did, that they don't, you know, run the bulldozer perfect. Right. And in the NFL, it's you have to win 51% of the time. Right. And that's how you're successful in the NFL is, is 51% of the time you win 51% of the time. That's how you win games. And, and that's it. And so if you're these guys, you look around in the locker room, you're those line, but you're the offensive line, you're Carson Hinsman, you're whomever you're saying, all right, bring on the next dude who you got. We're ready. And that confidence does make a difference, man. Like you, you all, you find that extra gear, you find that. And this is all the like wanted more stuff that I typically hate, but like you do create momentum this way, you know, the, and the D line, if you're getting home against Joe Alt, who is going to be a starter in the NFL mm-hmm. one year from now, like no questions asked. And JT is saying like, yeah, well that's the best left tackle I'm going to face all year. I already know it done. You know, like who, what else am I going to see? You're going to start seeing those guys get home. That's what. That's where I'm going. Absolutely. Well, tell you what, Kyle, we've kept you for much longer than we said we would, but every second of it was fantastic. Love talking with you, man. Uh, it's always awesome every time you come on the Dubcast and left. We'll have, have you back on here soon, especially in the lead up to some of those marquee games as we get later on in the season. Yep. 
Yeah, tell Dan this isn't the dumb cast. That's week. right. Yeah, it was sure, An- it was Dan. Andy. Dan Dan would never. We're we are Dan loyalists. Dan would never That's say right. something like That's that. Right. Oh, by the way, before we get out of here, uh, all three of us are apparently geniuses because we're the ones who actually oh, know yeah. how to call the scores on these games, whereas the rest of the eleven uh, the eleven warriors uh, crew has no idea what they're doing. So I believe we're one, two, and right. three here. And I'm, we right. know ball and, and, on this show. Right, and we're all 20-plus points <laughs> yeah, off. That's right, that's right. More than three <laughs> touchdowns. But you know what? It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. Those damn right. clock rules. Right. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. A win's a win. If you're not first, you're last. USA number one. No fear. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. This is, this is a very, very American you know, enjoyment of this of these rankings that's here, right. and I appreciate it. Damn right. <laughs> All right, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. And we'll Jones. we'll see you next time, man. All right, that was Kyle coming at you with the X's and O's knowledge. I mean, that guy is just freaking awesome, and I love it every time that we have him on the Dubcast. Uh, before we get into Ask Anything, we want to remind you that we are sponsored by One Medical. The best defense is a good offense, and that goes for your health, too. That's why One Medical, the modern doctor's office, is changing the playbook for primary care. With four C-Bus locations and 24-7 virtual care, One Medical helps Buckeye stay healthy. And the relationship with OSU's Wexner Medical Center makes it easy to get access to specialists. To get your 30-day free trial, visit onemedical.com and use the code TRY1MCOL. That's T-R-Y, the number one, M-C-O-L. All right, that was One Medical. Let's get into our favorite part of the program. This is, of course, Ask Us Anything, in which you can ask us literally anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Let's start with Kevin, who wants to know, guys, why do you think Chop is not playing? Is he too fat? Which, that's, that's a wow. little little extreme. I think it's a little, little, little personal. That is Mayan... The muscle hamster Williams right. you're talking no, I, about. You know, there, and here's the thing. I think I think Mayan, I think Chop is still great. I do think it's interesting though that in a lot of our preview um stuff that we did before the season, just site wide, a lot of people on the site expect him to be basically one B with Travion Henderson, like running for eight hundred, nine hundred, you know, a thousand yards even. Um I think what thought he'd at least be the goal line back. Yeah, and I think what they've seen is that they just like chip a little bit better than chop in those situations. Maybe it's a size. That, I mean, you know, weight wise, I guess are the same. Chip's a bigger dude. Um, I don't know. He it's, hits it's, the line harder than Mayan does, which for a running, which a power running back, like you, you want the guy that's more of a sledgehammer right. than a, a one cut. And the thing is, so to speak, like Mayan Williams is still a really good running back. I mean, I don't, I'm not want to take anything away from him. And if you look at like average yards per carry, I mean, the guy is still really, really freaking good um, and has been, you know, in his Ohio State career. I just think it's situational at this point, And I think that's probably a big part of it. Um, I will say that I think, you know, He's definitely in shape. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think the guy has definitely shown uh, that he's willing to work hard and, and get back into playing mode after you know being injured. I don't, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I just, like I said, I think it's situational. I think it's where the coaches think they're going to get the most benefit. Um, but right, I think he gets into rhythm as a runner a bit better than than uh, Mayan does. Mm-hmm. Which, for the role that he's playing, complementary to Travion Henderson, uh, I think is really effective. 
when they started the season, it looked like Travion was going to be their early down running back, early part of the field running mm-hmm. back. You know, as you're starting to creep into opponent territory. Then once they got into like the red zone or creeping up on that, they would flip to Chit. And then once they actually got into goal line territory, it looked like it was going to be Mayan show. Right. Chip obviously has had a little bit more, I think, short yardage success than uh, Mayan has, which is why they've kind of leaned into him in that role. But it's, uh, you know, it's like I said last week, man. I always said Master Teague was better than <laughs> Mayan That's Williams. Right. We're just seeing a continuation of this That's trend right. as he falls in the depth. It's chart. finally justifying that extremely hot take. I Here's the thing, man. Like, I... I think part of the reason why I'm still a little surprised that it's working out the way it is, is because Mayan Williams is a really good receiving running back. And he absolutely, and, and that's what I, that's what I think is really not odd per se, because Trayvon Henderson's also a really good receiving running back. Like the guy, you know, he, he's got really sure hands, but just the added dimension that chop gives you in those types of situations is something where I thought he was going to be the beneficiary of, you know, some some of those plays where it's like, oh, you're expecting a power. No, actually, it's going to be a little flare, and then he's going to catch it and run it for 12 yards. Like, I I expected more of that. And I think maybe, um, you know, because they're doing some more telegraphing, because they're just worried about, you know, getting guys past that line of scrimmage, that they want to find the guy who's just, you know, more able to do that more readily, I guess. I'm not really sure. I think Chip is a, has a, has more speed. And yeah, I would say he's Because faster. they play the same role. That. Yeah, because they play the same role and because he can play it at a faster gear yeah. than what Mayan offers, they, he's got more utility as their, as their secondary back. So that's just what's happening. And I think, that's probably it. I think that's probably it. I think that's a really good observation. Uh, okay, so this next one, this is our last one. This is from Tim. And this is a pretty, um, pretty straightforward question. Who's the best team in college football right now? <laughs> like, that, I think that's a, I think that's a hard question because I don't quite know how to answer that. And if you look at some of those pundits, uh, you know, people who are doing like SP plus, and then you're, you know, with Bill Connolly, and then you look at the rankings and things like that. I, I feels like it's so over all over the place right now. Um, I don't know who I would put at number one, honestly, at this point. I mean, if you look at like most impressive, you could say Washington, maybe but they, you know, their their quality of opponents hasn't necessarily been as good as other teams. I think Georgia has started to round into form a little bit and maybe you know prove that they're number one. Michigan probably has, you know, I would say a number one defense. I, I'm a little more skeptical about their offense, but like, I don't know. It, it feels like it's all over the place right now. I would say Texas has earned it the most, but grudgingly. You think so? Just because of the I, I th- the early wins and the Alabama. Right. Win. Yeah, I I think that if, in terms of if we're really going to penalize the strength of schedule of the top two teams relative to what Texas has accomplished, right. if the AP is willing to recognize they're in front of Ohio State, I will go with the national consensus that Texas is in front of Ohio State and therefore probably deserves to be considered the best team in the country right now. Now, that being said, I, I took a poll of the fans this weekend, and a statistically significant sample of Ohio State fans believe that of the three teams ranked in front of the Buckeyes right now in the AP poll, Texas is the one most likely to lose first. 
which I think is interesting given the spite for Michigan as well as Georgia's recent lackluster performances in the first half. So that's interesting to me because Michigan isn't losing until mid-November. Like there's, they don't even have it. I mean, they can just sleep. Right. But I figured people were just going to vote for them out of spite and they didn't actually, they voted very honestly. So that was, yeah, that's cool. Um, I think Texas is a good choice. I, I mean, I love the story of Michael Penix Jr. Going out there and doing what he's doing in Washington. That's, they're a really fun team to watch. I mean, offensively, I mean, God. There's no defense in the Pac-12. Well, especially with USC. And and that's the thing. Like, you look at Caleb Owens, you're like, yeah, this guy is next level. This is great. Colorado, basically, they, they turned the ball over on downs late in the fourth quarter against USC. They convert that sucker, and they score a touchdown. They could they could have walked away with that game. <laughs> um, so, which is hilarious because Colorado is not that good of a team. But USC's defense is just so bad right now that, I i mean, they're, I think, automatically disqualified from any, you know. You're a mean one, <laughs> Mr. Well, Grinch. you know what? We're going to talk about that, actually. So that's that's Ask Us Anything. Please continue sending into those questions because we want to continue answering them. Let's go ahead and look at the national scene. I'm going to start with that. Uh, so Alex Grinch. Uh, is just getting raked over the coals. I mean, USC, they almost blew a 27-point lead. Uh, tackling looked awful. Scheme-wise, they had no idea what they're doing. Now, granted, Colorado's got a lot of players on offense, right? Um, but I just feel like everybody is looking for any hint or sign that he is done <laughs> at USC. And, like, if you're Lincoln Riley, do you do you make that change at this point? Do you stop doing that? Do you just no? You 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 got to ride or die with this guy. He's the horse that got you here. This is the this is the Alex Grinch fail upwards train, <laughs> and it's going to the That's moon. Right. He's Peter Prince himself all the way to USC. You got to double down at this point. You're all the way out on the West Coast with this okay, guy. But- in all seriousness, can you can you actually get rid of this dude? No. Who are you going to replace right. him with? At this well, point, literally anybody. I mean, that's because <laughs> that's the thing, though, because the Bears defensive coordinator, he could probably be available soon. I, it's, just, it's just so wild to me that he has stuck around and that you you know what you're going to get with the dude. It, it's not like there's any surprise here. He was he's been there. He's been with Lincoln Riley for years. How how do you I mean, I don't know. It, it's baffling to me. And then Lincoln and Riley, I think, tweeted out like a, a like a peace emoji and everyone's like, he's gone. Grinch is gone. And I'm like, it's just wild that we're at that situation with a uh, otherwise, you know, amazing program and an offense in USC that, you know, I think is one of the best in the country easily, but their defense is just so God awful that you're like, I don't, it, it just, I don't know. It blows my mind. So I find that very funny. When USC finally loses, I'm going to rewrite the whole Mr. Grinch song for oh, Alex you should definitely do that. and sing it on the dubcast. I would love that. I think you should absolutely do that. Um, speaking of uh, Colorado, since we just briefly mentioned them, um, before the USC game, Colorado AD Rick George asked the students to not rush the field in the event that they won. How do you feel about that? Are you pro-rushing the field or anti-rushing the field? Okay, so let's put this in context because there's there should be rules for this and there haven't been of late. And it's I think it speaks to how we we've lost sight of traditions in 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 our sport 
and in our and in the United States. And one of them is rushing the field, which is a cool thing. I remember I didn't actually participate in it, but I watched at the end of my first my freshman year football season was the year Ohio State went undefeated but didn't get to go to a bowl mm. game. So at the end of the Michigan game, they ended the year twelve and oh, 0. you got to rush the field, and people were like, "This is amazing." Yeah. Let's go run on the field, and the whole I and it was so beautiful right. to see. And that is that's a moment that's earned. Cause it's the end of the year, and you won. Yeah. And it was a big, I you know there was dispute about whether Ohio State's ranked or not, but it's the end of the year, so you can understand the context course, there. Yeah. The the Colorado students as an unranked team, I believe they were unranked after losing to Oregon. Is that correct? <laughs> I can't remember where they were at, but they if they weren't unranked. Either they were way, close they're to ranked it. behind yeah. right. In either way, they're ranked behind. Yeah, the yeah, by far. So right. So if they win at home over a top ten team, yeah, you can run on the field. Especially this is you know, they were like two and eleven last year. They're in the, you know, revival yeah. moment. That's a good thing for a program. The A D asking them not to do it. I think it's cute. <laughs> He's allowed yeah, to do right. it. It's not illegal. You can go for I it. I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, just don't <laughs> sick anybody on them if they actually do do it. But, you know, you can, right. you can, you know, you might appeal to some. They'll be like, you know what? I, I hope there was a contingent of students that were like, you know what? Because he asked, I'm not going to do it if we win. I'm going to remember That's that right. he said, please They're, they're like getting out of their seat and they're like, ah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The but here's what I need to say. Here's what my ultimate point here is. I remember, I believe it was 20, it was either, I believe it was 2019. Ohio State beat Penn State at home, and Penn State wasn't even ranked. And the Ohio State students ran on the field after (laughs) winning in what was an extremely sloppy game. That's the game, if you recall, I believe Will Levis made a brief cameo as Penn State's quarterback in relief for Clifford yes. yeah. and uh, yeah, he shortly, I, I believe he fumbled in that game in a way that ended up being consequential for Penn state in the third quarter, but it was a closer game than people were expecting. It was not a reason to run on the field at all. And yet they did it. And it, it just, it looks bad. What are you celebrating? Yeah. You did. You underperformed, and that is your. I must take the field because we underperformed. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta pick. It, it doesn't I make agree. any you gotta, sense. You gotta pick your, you gotta pick your points, right? You gotta, fi- you gotta find the yes. games. Pick your yeah. spots. That is, pick that's your spots absolutely because right. then if you don't, it gives people ammo to say, oh, well, we gotta stop doing this. Which you know, you should be able to do it for specific games. I think I agree with you on that. And it's unnecessary hustle for the security. Yeah, of staff. course. Um, all right, last thing we can get out of here on this. Mel Tucker's gone. Bye. <laughs> Fired, according to uh, Michigan State, with cause. Mel Tucker disagrees. He's suing. Um, but uh, I don't know. I <laughs> this is this went from zero to hundred real quick, and uh, you know the whole thing. Whole thing's been extremely weird from basically the time that he got his contract to uh, now. So. I don't know. I think Michigan State's actually kind of well, breathing a sigh of relief here. I'm going to be honest. The more alarming development here, I mean, I you got to understand, I'm a Bears fan, which is you know a ridiculous thing to say in light of recent events. Well, but, you know what? I'm a Bengals fan, so that's a ridiculous thing to say for like the first you know 35 years of my life. So, 
Oh my God, you didn't blow a 21 point lead this weekend. But my point is, long ago, before the Bears had, you know, well, the Bears, it seems the Bears have always had disgraced defensive coordinators in light of recent events. (laughs) But going back even like 10 years ago, you had another one named Mel Tucker, who I could, I was observed, I could see this guy was sandbagging the team. And another guy that, much like Alex Grinch, had a trajectory of upwards failure. So when Michigan State said, here's all of our money, I thought, this is great, because they just hitched their wagon to a three-legged horse. (laughs) And and so I knew that this was going to play out the way that it did, so I'm not necessarily surprised that he's he's gone now. Nor am I. I am surprised by the circumstances, but it. it I felt like Michigan State was eventually going to realize that they they made a mistake with hiring this guy, and he was going to be on the out. I just don't understand. The relationship was I just don't wrong. understand how you can like. It's one thing to make a mistake when you're hiring, and that's fine. But the 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 amount of money, like at no point do you ever like second guess yourself and go, maybe we shouldn't give a guy a hundred million dollars. <laughs> like, well, this is the point I know. want to make though is that the bigger development out of this is that. Their NIL collective, yeah. which is ironically called Spartan Dogs for Life, no sense, but yeah. has has just said, we hey, quit. you know, all but like five people on the team, we we got to pause your your NIL money that, you know, yeah. you, you, you made a commitment to come to this school and probably leave your family behind if you're an out-of-state recruit. Right. And, you know, you thought you were going to have this money coming in and you had these expectations set up that we helped put on you. And we're just going to pull that out right now. And we can do that because of the current way the the NIL legislation is written. Who stops you? Like they Michigan State just became a test case for what happens if you invest this much money up front. You can just pull it at the expense of the players with the way the current structure is. So that is going to be, I think, the much bigger thing to monitor out of this is what's going to be the fallout of all the NIL stuff and how like are we going to see similar patterns at other schools that have high profile coach fallouts right. the way that Michigan State did here with Mel that, Tucker that's going to be the most interesting that's an thing excellent to monitor point. going yeah forward. that is an excellent point and man that that is i would not be surprised if you saw something similar before the end of the year or at least after the end of the year when you know the firings and whatnot happen because especially for like B tier teams, you know, the Michigan States of the world, like the, the guys putting money into NIL on this, they want to see a return on their investment. And if they're like, well, it's not going to happen, then they're out. So that's going to be really interesting to follow. Um, excellent point from you, by the way, excellent points from Kyle Jones, who joined us once again on the 11 dub cast, super excited to have him back. Great show. Great, Great show. show. Uh, we'll be back next week. A product of a wonderful show. That's right. Thank you. We'll be, We'll be back next week uh, to break down the uh, the Maryland game. That was, that's going to be an interesting one. I, you know, we will see just how good. Uh, Damn turtles! Yeah, we'll, <laughs> I hate turtles. Uh, we'll. I like turtles. <laughs> I'm going to have to do something with that. It had to be. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I think we're going to see how good the uh, the secondary actually is um, this weekend. So that'll be fun to keep an eye on. It'll be fun to talk about it afterwards. Uh, but until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you next time. Go Bucks! Take care, folks. <laughs>